Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions as we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today.
Let us begin with a word of prayer. God, you are here with us. And most days, that's enough for us to see the beauty in sky and sea and in each other and for us to worship you. Some days, though, God, we need to know that you are at work in the world picking up the broken pieces, reclaiming and redeeming us. We learn in scripture to come together as one body for we cannot follow you on our own. And so as we are together this morning, may we draw our strength from you. May we look to you for our hope. In Jesus' name, amen. It's gonna be a good time. We're reading through 1 Corinthians for the next few weeks. And we just finished Paul's letter to the Philippians. So some of you may be wondering, why so much Paul, Dawn? Each year I kind of take a step away and I review what I've preached over the last year. And I realized what's missing. So I love preaching Jesus. Give me the gospels all day long. And I actually really love preaching the Old Testament, but I've been avoiding Paul. If you uh, flip ahead to the scripture today, you might get a glimpse of why. So I decided, okay, it's important to preach the whole of scripture. So this fall, we're gonna preach Paul. And it's important for us to read Paul because he gives instruction to the early church. That's important for us to receive. And what I really love about Paul is he is constantly pointing past himself to Christ. I mentioned last week that there are some hot button topics in this particular letter, 1 Corinthians, and that we're gonna address some of those. Today is one. Paul's concern for sexual immorality in the church. Got some big eyes now. And before your imagination starts to go wild on what that means, Paul is talking about a very specific case in Corinth where a man is living with his mother-in-law. He's sleeping with his mother-in-law. And this is a violation of Deuteronomy 27.20 where it says, cursed be anyone who lies with his father's wife. But I think this is probably happening because she is vulnerable and he's willing to take care of her, but he wants something in return, which is wrong. And Paul's not having it. So he speaks out against this man's sin and also with instruction for the church. So listen now to God's word through the Apostle Paul. I'm reading chapter five of 1 Corinthians verses one through eight. Paul writes, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and the sort of sexual immorality that's not even found among pagans. For a man is living with his father's wife. And you are arrogant. Don't you love how Paul just casually says that? You are arrogant. Should you not rather have mourned so that he who has done this would have been removed from among you? For I, though absent in body and present in spirit, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment in the name of the Lord Jesus on the man who has done such a thing. When you are assembled and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of flesh so that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting, church of Corinth, is not a good thing. Do you not know that a little yeast leavens all of the dough? Clean out the old yeast, 
so that you may be a new batch of dough as you really are unleavened. For our Paschal lamb, Christ, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. This, too, is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's flu season. And with a toddler in preschool and another kid at another school, I have to tell you that I don't like flu season. I don't know anybody who likes flu season, but I especially do not like it. Just saying it's flu season is the admission that it's inevitable, we're gonna get sick. In the busiest season of the year, we're also not gonna feel great. Germs are on the loose and they are gonna get you. My spouse and I, Tim, we are um, Ghostbusters for Halloween. And I found myself, as I was writing the sermon, wishing, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could like bust germs instead of ghosts, you know? That would be practical in my household. Then I remembered we actually do have tools that bust germs. We have our immune systems, yeah? And then how many of you guys um, stock up on this? You know what this is? The school teachers, especially, emergency. These like little packets of orange goodness, you know? I don't know about you, but um, I definitely stock up on these. And whenever I take some of these, I feel like I'm busting some germs, you know? Like I'm doing some extra good for myself. I'm gonna make the case this morning that reading Paul's letter to the Corinthians is like taking emergency for the church. Y'all ready for this? Reading Paul's words, it's a warning for what we need to do when we see evil, like germs, wiggling its way into the body. Paul sees from afar, really he hears this rumor that turns out to be true, that evil is attacking the body of the church in Corinth, and he's letting them know in this letter, it's time to speak up. The body is an important spiritual metaphor for Paul. Those of you that have read some of Paul's letters, you know how important the physical body is for him as a metaphor for the body of Christ, the church. And later in this letter, 1 Corinthians 12, he says this. He says, we are one body, many members. And when one part of the body is sick, it affects all other parts of the body. Paul is constantly lifting up the vulnerable And he's calling the whole community to care for that vulnerable part. Because he says, when one part of the body suffers, all suffer. Paul's invested in the health of the body, particularly this church in Corinth. And it might seem like he's calling out an individual here or two individuals. But actually, Paul is calling out the whole community. He's concerned with the community's lack of ability to speak up. Now, again, I want to remind us, Paul's not talking about sexual immorality in general right here. It's very specific to this man in Corinth living with his father's wife. And it's wrong, beyond being in Deuteronomy as wrong, it's wrong because he's taking advantage of someone who is vulnerable. This woman, we don't know much about her. We don't know if she's single because she's been divorced or if she's been widowed. But what we know is that during this time and age, she didn't have much agency. She had no way to care for herself. 
She couldn't own property. She couldn't own the home. Even if she's lived in it for decades and cared for it, it doesn't belong to her. She's not allowed to have a job. She has no means, none, to care for herself. She's vulnerable. And so her son-in-law, not direct bloodline, he moves in and he is taking advantage of her. The fact that this report has reached Paul means that everybody knows about it. It means that the church can't claim ignorance to it. It means they are guilty in letting this man take advantage of his mother-in-law. Paul says, if you don't speak out, it's like yeast that leavens the whole bread. It's like a germ infecting the entire body. It might be tempting to say, I do this sometimes, like, ah, oh, it's over there. Like, it doesn't affect me, it's over there. Not my monkey, not my circus. And Paul says, you're wrong. In his theology of one body in Christ, what affects this vulnerable woman affects everyone. I spent some time this week trying to come up with reasons why this church in Corinth wouldn't say anything. If it's so obvious and evident that a report is reaching Paul in Ephesus, why didn't they speak up? And I came up with just a few possible reasons. Maybe they're friends with the man. Maybe he's family. Maybe he's funding the church's budget. Maybe this man is so kind and generous and funny that they can't let themselves believe that that kind of evil would be inside him. Maybe they're aware that they are now responsible as the church community to care responsibly financially for this woman and they're just so pleased that he's taking care of it for them. So I looked over this list, I realized, ah, this is the danger Paul is speaking against, the temptation not to speak up, to let the germ infect the body. And Paul's words are the emergency to speak up. We can become blind when evil is happening really close to us because we don't wanna believe that it can happen to us. We wanna talk positively about ourselves and our families and our communities. And Paul says you have to be careful of spiritual boasting. For the Corinthians to think that they are so great that nothing could ever happen to them, it only blinds them from the evil that might be in their midst. It blinds them from speaking up when they see it. Y'all, this is why we have public confession and forgiveness that Charles just led. It's why it's in our rhythm every single week, lest we forget that evil is real, not just out there, but sometimes in here. And that evil when we don't address it and admit it, it will affect the whole. We read Paul's words like taking emergency as a preventative measure, acknowledging that evil is real and that we are willing to fight before it infects the whole. I should probably be clear that we aren't gonna start um, calling congregational meetings to call out individual sins. Like, I'm not gonna do that, okay? And I also have no interest in handing over somebody's flesh to Satan. I don't even know what the Apostle Paul means with that. That's not what we're gonna do, but here's what we will do at Downtown Church. 
We will protect the vulnerable. We will protect the vulnerable. Our elders, our kids. We are tasked as the body of Christ to pay attention to one another and speak up when the vulnerable are hurt. One way we do this at Downtown Church, one way we take our emergency, it tastes really good by the way, I should have given some to you, is through our child protection policy. We don't have many policies at Downtown Church kind of on purpose because it's hard to keep up with all the policies, but the child protection policy is one we will always have. It's a policy and a training for all of our staff and anyone who's around a minor under 18 at our church. We do it annually. And our leadership takes this very seriously because of what Paul says here. Acting like nothing could ever happen only sets us up for something to happen. It turns a blind eye to the evil we know is real. It's better for us to know the statistics. It's better for us to know the signs. It's better for us to make sure everyone is informed so that we can hold the boundaries, protect the vulnerable among us. One rule in this child protection policy is to make sure that it's never one adult and one kid, that's not parent and child, alone together. And typically this is really easy as a church because we're all together, right, all the time. Sometimes it can get tricky, especially when you're on a trip. I'm gonna tell you this funny story about this summer when I went on the middle school mission trip to Charlotte. It was me and two other adults and 11 middle schoolers. And we were staying in the center with a whole bunch of other groups, so there were always people around. But one day, we got back early from our service project, and we get into the center, and people are going to play basketball and going to get a snack, and somebody pulls out the cotton candy making machine, you know, they're having a good time. And one of these middle schoolers comes up to us and says, oh, Miss Dawn, I forgot my water bottle at the fellowship hall. I'm like, okay. Problem is, the fellowship hall was across a really busy city, Charlotte Street, So we knew we couldn't just send him across the street by himself, right? And our first instinct would be, okay, one adult go with him and the other two adults stay back with the other 10, right? But then immediately we remembered our policy, nah, you can't have one adult, one kid. And so we had to take an extra minute, which I can assure you this teenager was not patient for. He was like, I can just go myself. I can, you know, I'm fine. No, you're not fine. So we're sitting there thinking, we're like, okay, how do we do this? Oh, we can send two or more youth with an adult to go across the street and retrieve the water bottle. But then the problem becomes, how do you convince middle schoolers to leave the cotton candy and the basketballs to do us a favor to go across the street, right? Finally, one of the adults was like, oh, you just bribe them with more sugar. (laughs) That is the way. It's a win-win for all. It's important to us. We are committed not just to have the policy, the boundaries to protect the vulnerable, but to practice it daily, like daily immune boost. It's important to me that the session and the staff and all of us know this policy so that we can take responsibility as a community to protect the vulnerable, protect the kids, so that we all know that if ever a choice arises between a friend and a kid, we choose the kid. Later today, we're going to baptize a little baby. We do this often at Downtown Church. It's a gift that we get to do it often. 
And in our baptismal vows, we call out the evil of the world. We name it, and then we vow as a whole community to nurture and protect and care for that baptized baby. Babies are among the most vulnerable, right? They don't speak. They need us to watch out for them, to speak up for them, to choose to protect them. And we all take a vow with God's help. I think that's an important thing to highlight when this can feel so weighty. We can't take these vows alone. We take them with God's help. And Paul admits this. When he tells the church in Corinth to speak up against the evil, he calls um, their attention to Christ's presence and strength with them in their midst. We care for our vulnerable with God's help. Say it with me. With God's help. With God's help. So in this season, when you start to feel those germs like percolating in your throat, you know, and you go to reach for your emergency, I want you to remember that this is what we are to each other. And every time we read the Apostle Paul's words, every time we enact our child protection policy, every time we baptize a baby, we are taking emergency for the church body. And we're promising to protect the vulnerable with God's help with God's help. Amen. Think about it. There must be higher love down in the heart and in the stars above. Without it, Life is wasted time Look inside your heart And now look inside mine Things look so bad everywhere In this whole world what's fair We walk blind and we try to see Falling behind in what could be 
at Downtown Church, we are going to stand with and protect the vulnerable among us. So as you go from this place, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the interruption of that Holy Spirit may be with you and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Go in God's peace. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.